0: Hello, my name is John Bradbury. Uh, I'm from the EMA people experience team and in this latest EMA cast in about the dynamic workforce uh, we're we're going to be talking about some of the changes and challenges and opportunities that have come uh, from some of the advances and changes that there's been in technology in the workplace over the last few few years. The person I've got to speak to today is is Melissa Crawford, who um, is very much somebody that's focused on on the future of work and has her own company called uh, Tech With Heart. Um, But rather than me explaining that, I think it's better if I ask Melissa to sort of introduce herself and tell us about what she does.
1: Thanks, John. Yeah. So my business is called Tech with Heart, which is really the two sides of me. So I have this deep um, passion for future technology um, and two technology degrees. And I also have this kind of big corporate experience and kind of uh, the people psychology and organizational psychology. So... Tech with Heart combines the two, and it's around helping people navigate the future of work. So um, I uh, run sessions to help people, um, companies with their future work strategies um, or upskilling their HR teams. I also do some really exciting coaching with um, executives and um, senior leaders who want to keep themselves current on what's happening in the future of workspace.
0: Right. So it sounds like you're working at a sort of strategic level and also very practical level with organisations.
1: Yeah, very much. And I think I bring in kind of a unique focus because I have that tech background as well as the people background, which I think is very um, apt for the direction we're going in the future of work.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, But that, that phrase, you've used it a few times now, future of work. Could you just Explain what what that means to us.
1: Yeah, well, actually, I really get upset when people think future of work is just about um, remote working or flexible hours. It's kind of way more than that. So it's around what are the skill sets you're going to need? What are the technologies that are going to disrupt potentially the workplace Um, and how you can prepare for that? Uh, What's going to be uh, different ways of thinking that we're going to need to do and different ways of leading? So, yeah, it's a whole range of things. Um, So not just the workplaces, but also um, everything that kind of goes into that.
0: Crikey, so it's the technologies, it's, it's the skills people need, it's the way people lead and so forth? Yes, yes
1: correct. So yeah, combination of people, process, place and technology.
0: Okay, so um, I definitely feel that in the last couple of years with, with COVID, there's been some very obvious changes in the way we use technology in the workplace, Teams and, and Zoom and so forth. Um What's what's your observations about that?
1: Yeah, I think people had a very quick learning curve. If they hadn't really got on board with technology before, they definitely had to accelerate that, even for people in their personal life. So you know, families that were disconnected, that um, you know, where they were overseas, and the phone calls just not cutting it anymore with such a long gap between seeing them. Um, So they needed to be able to get onto the Zoom or the Teams or uh, those other technologies to be able to. You know, or FaceTime or whatever it was to be able to see them and connect so straight away there was a big up, um, up skill in, in those kind of dynamics and then obviously collaborating in the workplace uh, you know there was really no option besides you know learning how to use digital tools like um, Trello and some of those kind of whiteboarding um, tools to be able to collaborate with your, with your team members.
0: Right. So, t- tell me a little bit about those those sort of tools, like like Trello and so forth. Where, where have they been m- most use?
1: Yeah. So, there's a combination of tools out there, and I certainly don't want to um, promote one tool necessarily over the other. It really is what suits your business. Um, but um, you know, sometimes in the office, people had you know walls that they had in the office where they had their post-it notes and and um, kind of did their planning on there. Whereas they couldn't you know necessarily do that um, when they're they're working from home. So these tools just allowed you to create. Uh, kind of a digital version of that so Trello was a really nice kind of easy to uh, to use tool Miro was another one that that a lot of people jumped on. Um, Some of the bigger companies had sort of more extensive project management ones like Jira and other tools like that Um, but yeah even on a basic level Miro was perfect for people being able to just collaborate, move around little um, post-it notes uh, and collaborate together. You could even see the mouse moving with um, the people's names so you knew who was interacting on the board, and of course things like Teams, etc., uh, where you can sh- show the uh, demonstrate what you've got on your computer or um, bring up a presentation, and of course having the conversations at the side to be able to um, interact.
0: Very interesting. So. Um, you know, one of one of the challenges for organisations when with moving to more remote working or um, sort of working from home, working from anywhere, whichever whatever people call it, um, one of the concerns and challenges has been around, around collaboration. And what, what you're touching on here is ways in which people can still collaborate, perhaps just as effectively
1: when when not together. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely team human. If you've got the opportunity to do it face-to-face, that's always going to win. But there's a lot of times where you can't or your team may be spread, you know, um, across different locations. So in that case, it's the next best step and it's it's much more engaging than just a a conversation through Zoom. So it just allows people to be active on the call and to be able to... uh, And people are very visual, so Mm -hmm. it's a nice way of them kind of engaging.
0: Gotcha. OK. So, I mean, I think, you know, when starting to think, to think about technology in the workplace, these things around Teams and Zoom are the sort of obvious place that virtually everyone has probably been ex- exposed to. Yeah. And then you're talking about some very specific tools that allow collaboration here. Um, but, uh, you know, with the Employers and Manufacturers Association and... Um, what, what what about in the sort of manufacturing arena? What's sort of happening there in, in the technology space that you've been involved in?
1: In general or for collaborating in general?
0: Yeah. Uh, there's
1: some exciting stuff happening in that space, actually. Uh, no, a few months ago, I was um, very lucky to go and speak at OzPack in Melbourne, which is the largest, um, I think, the, um, packaging and manufacturing conference in Australasia. Um, and to be able to see some really exciting developments there. So one of the things that really caught my eye was a company that has um, VR, AR glasses that they give to their um, clients. And so let's just say you run a big manufacturing plant and you've got these um, heavy machineries and there's experts that need to come, come to your plant to help you in the case of something breaking down. This technology allowed you to basically put on this wearable that connected you to an expert who may be, you know, in a different location. And instead of waiting for them to be able to come to your site, they could literally view what you were looking at on your machine and they could give you instructions and you could view um, visuals through these glasses about um, what you should be doing. So they can direct you to fix the red wire or the green wire and they can see what you're doing so they can see you going for the wrong wire and say no no not that one John um, and you could fix it on the spot when the person was um, in a different location so particularly in Australia this was this was great because there was some quite long distances for them to be able to get to these sometimes remote locations to help with the machinery and technology was really accelerating the speed of that and allowing people to, to get things fixed a lot quicker so I thought that was pretty impressive um, and there's also obviously a lot of road Robots, um, you see, um, talk about these kind of um, uh, blackout manufacturing plants where literally they don't need the lights on um, because the machinery can do what it needs to do without uh, the benefits of lighting and um, even air conditioning sometimes, um, which is pretty interesting, um, uh, especially with heavy lifting and things like that, to be able to take that um, that load away from the employees.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So we've got the things that are around... Um, technology enabling us to work with existing technology better and reduce downtime and therefore keep productivity up yeah. be, uh, because those those are being used. And we've also got specific technology that it sounds like might allow things to be done sort of more efficiently or effectively, reduce costs, that, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yep.
0: Yes. I was at the um, MX exhibition here in, 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 in Auckland and um, I was very struck there by uh, the number of uh, 3D printers and the number mm. of robots that were sort of moving, moving, moving around the exhibition space. Was that your sort of experience yeah. in Melbourne?
1: Yeah, there was definitely. I, I was obviously drawn to the robotics and things like that. There was yeah, definitely lots of robots and things moving around and the use of drones um, within uh, manufacturing. But yeah, you're right. 3D printing. I think that could potentially really disrupt some of the um, logistics, some of the um, uh, supply chain particularly. So in lockdown where people were not able to necessarily get the part that they normally got from overseas um, organisations, you see a lot of companies now looking at 3D printing their own parts so that they don't rely on that supply chain. So I think there's some really interesting things happening in manufacturing in that space.
0: Okay. And sort of sort of more, more broadly, maybe within manufacturing, but maybe beyond that, what are kind of the really exciting things that you've, you've seen or kind of know of?
1: Um technology-wise, uh, well, I'm very passionate. Anyone that follows me will see I'm quite passionate about metaverses <laughs> at the yes. moment. Um, yeah, I'm very, very lucky to be New Zealand's first certified metaverse expert. Um, and uh, really the reason I'm following that is I just see that disrupting quite a lot of different industries. So um, from the collaboration element, um, it's got the opportunity of really shifting the dial on that. Um, but also for things like retail, uh, for designers, um, yeah, I, 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 I see it coming, and so that's why I like to be kind of an early adopter, get in there, understand it all because I think it can um, really shift things.
0: Okay, so you're right, right at the forefront, very much so in terms of yeah. New Zealand of that in terms of the metaverse and but for someone like me, I've heard of the metaverse. Yes but I don't actually know what it is. Can you explain yes, to me what I'd it is? I'd love to
1: because I get asked this all the time. <laughs> um, and the best explanation i found is um, t- to kind of liken it to something we've been through before. So... Um, Often uh, people talk about Web 3.0, which is also kind of linked to this whole metaverse space. So if we start with Web 1.0, um, if you're old enough like me to remember when the Internet started um, and you would dial into the Internet and it was amazing at the time and you would see basically pages of text was pretty much what the Internet was. And you know, rich companies would have some kind of uh, profile on there, but it was really just information. You'd, they'd have their About page and their services, etc. But it was pretty flat. Data. so that was pretty much the beginning of the internet then you moved to web 2.0 which is kind of we're kind of 2.5 at the moment but web 2.0 was much more engagement so it was much more two-way so instead of just reading information from the internet like we used to in the old days you could now engage with it you could put your own information up there you can um, social media um, introduction of video so much more of a kind of engaging environment and so That's actually a massive leap if we look from 1 to 2 and if you look back and go, wow, actually, we just had no idea what was coming, right? Well, Web 2 to Web 3.0, which is kind of the metaverse, is really a similar kind of jump. So Web 3.0 slash metaverses is really about um, more of an engaging way of um, engaging with the internet. So a more immersive. So you may be in a metaverse, like a digital world is a good way of thinking of it. You may be represented as a little avatar and you move around this world. Um, so as soon as I say that, people think, I don't want to play games on the internet. That's not what I'm you know, doing that for. But if you think about it, it's got connotations way um, beyond that. So if I can engage like that, I can have virtual meetings um, with my um, fellow um, employees I might have people spread in global destinations and we can meet in this metaverse together and it feels so much more immersive so if you if you actually have a go on one of these things it feels like you're there with the person so again team human best all the way if you can have that that face to face but if you can't and the and you're only able to have phone calls or digital online meetings this is a big step up from that it feels more engaging. You can can move around. Um, for people who like are very experiential learners, this is fantastic because um, they can move around and um, see like three D versions of things. Um, lots of people are doing training. Um, through this um, kind of metaverse technology. But also there's a whole business element. So um, designers are really um, coming into their own in this metaverse because they're creating all these amazing things that people are buying these virtual digital elements. Um, and also companies, so branding and marketing and all of that sort of stuff. Um, big conferences. I've been to you know, big global conferences in there. Uh, people are doing onboarding. Um, yeah, all sorts of different things through this metaverse because it's just so much more engaging than reading a file or having a flat meeting.
0: So I would take it from what you're saying that maybe overseas – people are already using the metaverse. Where where do you think it's most likely to be be used in in New Zealand?
1: Yeah, so it's definitely already being used in New Zealand. Um, I mean, if you look at the stats, there's, you know, millions and millions of people on this globally. And I I would imagine that a lot of the listeners would have children who are probably playing in the kind of more junior versions of these metaverses. So your Fortnites, um, your Roblox, uh, those are kind of some of the two common ones. So if you do have young kids, um, just look over their shoulder a little bit more (laughs) and maybe get them to show you a little bit because that's the other thing, the generation coming through into the workforce, this is going to be second nature for them. Um, So there's going to be a bit of a learning curve for us just like there was when we first started and people had to learn how to use the mouse and how to navigate around and save files and print files. Um, this is really just another little learning curve um, for people to, to, to get through. But even if you're a small business, you may find that you're connecting with your suppliers um, or you're attending, upskilling, learning elements um, through this. Or maybe um, you buy a new piece of equipment and you go, it's a massive piece of equipment, but before it even arrives in the country, you go into a metaverse and you see a virtual 3D version of it and you can walk around and you can learn, do all the learning of how it operates As if it's really in your plant before it even gets there. So yeah, I think it's got
0: so time to time to competence and really getting value out of something Mm. is greatly reduced by that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, there are um, universities who are doing their whole um, curriculum through um, these metaverses now, so it's much more engaging um, for their for their new recruits, Um, but also um, yeah. Uh, companies are um, absolutely jumping on board with this because it just, like doctors, um, so big hospitals, for example, um, I'd much rather them manipulate um, organs in the metaverse <laughs> than <laughs> practice on <laughs> real humans, right? Um, and they can do that and they can run simulations so using other advanced technologies like artificial intelligence, et cetera, you can layer things over to check different scenarios and roll them through in a real visual um, representation um without the expense of having to do that um in real life and same with manufacturing so a few a few times
0: well right at the very beginning one of the things you talked about was about skills and then then i hear about i should be looking over my son's shoulder (laughs) when he's playing Fortnite, and and not discouraging from doing it but actually recognizing that he's developing some work skills there it sounds like yeah but you know, where is this leading to in terms of skills? Perhaps this thing about, you know, the generation that's coming in, very mm. used to working like this. But those of us that may have been in the workforce a little longer, it's kind of struggling to kind of keep up.
1: Yeah. yeah, I definitely think it's a real time for upskilling. Mm. Um, so it's a time for people. So learning curiosity would be the number one skill set. If I was looking for new employees, learning curiosity would be the gold because <laughs> that will basically set them up for success um, because they're going to be constantly learning new skills, relearning and keeping themselves current. So I would say to anybody out there, how are you keeping yourself future fit? What are you reading? Who are you talking with? How, who's in your network? Mm-hmm. Um, what, if you're a, a company in New Zealand, what's your kind of global competitors and what are they doing? Where, where are they leaning into? Um, and kind of stretch yourself there. And that's where you'll start to find the, the skills and the technologies and the new things that are going to impact your, your area. And yeah, learn as much as you can about it before it starts to disrupt your, your industry.
0: But that, that sounds very much like it's going to be a constant, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah,
1: definitely. I don't think this is going to be a, okay, tick the box we've done. I think it's going to be a <laughs> continual evolution. But, yeah, I would just say don't be don't be scared to step into this. We've been through some similar transitions, like I said, when we first started using <laughs> computers and keyboards and mice. Um, you know, I remember teaching classes of people learning how to use computers. And I remember this one lady Um, she was having problems with the mouse and when I went over to help her I couldn't see where the mouse was and I said oh you said you're having problems with the mouse she said yeah and she pointed down and she had her foot um, on the mouse on the ground and she was an avid sewer um, and at the time she thought okay well it must be like the thing for the sewing machine and I must operate it that way so Learn, lots of learning curves. We've come a long, long way. Typewriters, people will remember doing typing lessons um, back in the day. It's just a similar thing.
0: Right. Okay. So it sounds it sounds like we shouldn't be worried about it in the sense yeah. because those of us that have been in the workforce longer have been through quite immense change really yes. so so far. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like we should be thinking about when bringing people into organisations about their curiosity around around learning.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that I personally did is I um, opted for some reverse mentoring. So I actually sought out some people in their twenties and asked them to mentor me. Because I wanted to understand what are the things they're thinking about, what are the things that they're using, uh, what's important to them, um, which would help upskill me on what I need to kind of prepare for thinking about the next generation coming through. So that's a great and brave way for people to start if they like. Oh, I'm you know really not sure about this. Perhaps that person could also you know be um, get some value from wisdom from your experience, but likewise they've got quite a lot of an interesting experience that they can give to you
0: so yeah that sort of flip around like that that sounds like an example of your own learning curiosity yeah. ar- around around this yeah. um but where, where else does that curiosity take you where, where are you sort of heading at the moment in terms of your interests with this
1: oh, actually i was thinking about that on my way here um i've got so much so many areas of interest i almost need to slow down a little bit so um i i particularly Um, follow future technologies. So I'm really interested in AI, robotics, metaverses, blockchain, um, those kind of, um, Web3, all those kind of things. Uh, People psychology. So I do a lot of research on that to understand what are the impacts of working um, digitally, what are the COVID impacts, what are uh, the changing kind of shapes of workforces and designs, etc. cetera. Um, and I also like to keep current on kind of HR technologies and also kind of what's leading edge stuff in the kind of HR global space. So they're, the, they're kind of my four core. Um, but, yeah, I'm very learning curious. I literally told someone the other day I wish I could just retire and read because there's just so much I want to learn. Um, and I follow a lot of thought leaders globally. So on LinkedIn particularly, um, I will follow professors or um, you know, thought leaders or speakers and key topics or business owners, uh, just a, a range of different people. I'm very learning curious quite broadly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that that last point that you make there about sort of seeking out kind of leaders in, in the field, there you're talking yeah. about sort of academics. Um, yeah. And earlier you talked about you know sort of following and looking at what perhaps your competitors overseas were doing yes. and what other other companies were doing. So.
1: Yeah, I think looking at competitors and one of the things actually I told the um, people at Ozpack is the other thing I would look at is startups. So particularly in manufacturing, uh, you know, there's some interesting reports, for example, that'll talk about the top 10 startups in manufacturing or the top 10 startups in retail or top 10 startups in finance or whatever your field is. And that's really interesting because you can see, well, what the, often startups are trying to solve a problem. So what problem are they trying to solve? How are they looking at solving it? What ways are they approaching things? What's potentially coming through? Um, and that's a nice way of kind of trying to keep yourself current on what thought leadership is in your particular field.
0: Ah, so look at, looking at startups, looking at new businesses, looking at what they're trying to solve and yes. thinking about, well, is that something we can solve or how are they solving it at the moment or how could we even partner with them?
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, and often those startups are really keen on finding a company to test it out with as well. So great opportunity for often very low cost to say, hey, I really like what you're doing as a startup. When you need to create your minimal viable product and you're looking for someone to test it on, um, we'd be really keen to um, you know pilot that for you because it's kind of a win-win situation.
0: Oh, crikey. Right, so lots of interesting things to kind of. It sounds like a lot of collaboration to, to yes. make to make this work, rather than have to be an absolute expert yourself on everything. Yeah, and I
1: think that's definitely a skill for the future as well, is around using your wider network. You don't have to know everything, and there's lots of people out there who've got amazing knowledge who are absolutely willing to share it. Um, so finding those channels and tapping into it, because you know they may have spent a lifetime or a, you know a long time um, getting that knowledge, and they can you know if you find some good ones, they can give you the nugget. It's in a very you know, nice, succinct way, which saves you the time and having to get to that same point. So why would you not do that? It'll make your business so much more efficient.
0: Okay, so I, I definitely hear in the way that you talk lots of evidence of this learning curiosity that you, you spoke of. And mm. I also feel sitting here lots of passion around, around this. Yeah. Um, so what are the sort of things you can actually do for organisations to help them on their journey?
1: Yeah, well, so some of it is about... Uh, opening eyes a little bit sometimes about broadening perspectives, or you know, so if I talk about different technologies, often people sort of think, "Oh, I don't think that technology technology will impact our particular business," um, or they might be a bit kind of nervous about that particular technology. So one of the things that I can do is I I come in and um, I uh, talk to them about some of these different technologies and. Uh, I guess with my kind of people and technology lens, I've got a nice way of being able to take out the nerd talk <laughs> and um, get it down to something that's practical and useful for them around here's what the technologies are, here's the latest thinking in it, here's the dif- different examples of how com- different companies are using it, and then working with them around so how is this something that you might be able to leverage or what way might you be able to leverage. So sometimes it's helping people in their kind of uh, you know one to five-year plans often uh, and getting them to kind of think forward Um, so I'm definitely not your kind of what you're doing here and now I'm more around helping you move to that future Um, and sometimes helping people think about things they haven't actually considered Um, and of course having that passion for people as well I've got that human lens to make them think about well what's the impact on people there Uh, you know what that what might that disrupt what might you need to to lift and shift capability wise um, how are you going to get new people engaged into your business that'll help you move towards the future so yeah bit of a bit of a cross on both
0: yeah, absolutely. Because this this sort of intersection between people and technology. Now, I, I can remember when there was kind of ideas around that technology was all going to mean that we were going to work less. Yeah. Um, and clearly that's not the case. It <laughs> seems to lead to us working more um in, in many ways. Um, sort of how do you see that kind of playing out in the future? How do you see that playing out with the whole kind of working from home, working from anywhere sort of models that there are?
1: Yeah, so the working less thing is is interesting. I think COVID's actually driven a lot of balance there, where people are really are looking at how can they do things smarter. So technology can really help support that and take some of those pain points out. Um, if you seek the right uh, technologies, um, there are. Uh, I think there's lots of. Um, personal assistance probably coming our way that will help get rid of some of the noise of some of the kind of life admin stuff that bogs us down so I'm really looking forward to the kind of evolution of that coming forward um, and where that then might lead into almost the workplace so how that personal assistant might uh, you know help you and eliminate some of those kind of grittier tasks so I mean technology can crunch so much information beyond our capability so it's around how do we optimize technology to speed up that stuff for us so that we can focus on what our strengths or passions are
0: okay very interesting so you 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 know that you sort of laid out a sort of field there around you know what it means for for people and technology and that that the way those things to get go together and you use this term about the future of work mm-hmm. um so I'm going to ask you, like thinking into the future. I don't know what time span you think <laughs> on. I take, I think it's probably yeah. longer than most of us. But yeah. let's say 15 years into the future, what oh. what do you think are the trends that are kind of emerging now that will be really significant, perhaps 10 to 15 years time?
1: Wow. Okay. So my dream is, I don't know if you've seen that movie Minority Report, where he kind of goes up to a board and moves things around, which is which actually was well before the iPad and things were kind of out, but I actually see uh, work being distributed a little bit like that. So I would like to see an organisation where we're well beyond position descriptions and uh, being so kind of structured on that, but being able to um, optimise everybody's abilities. So I, I come into work, for example, and there's some work on this kind of electronic board, and I can literally select down into my work load for the day. Uh, I'll I'll do a bit of this, that's a bit creative, great. And I'll do a bit of this, Um, that's using uh, my right side of the brain, a bit of Excel uh, kind of stuff, I'll do a bit of that. Um, And then I'll also do a bit of this kind of element here. and. How I see that being useful is for an individual, I get to use all my skill set. I'm not boxed into something, but I can utilize my skill sets. But I also see that being more valuable for a business because the business can adapt the tasks as to what it's needing. And as the business grows and develops and shapes, um, the skills on the board will also, you know, the task will also reflect that. Um, Also, it means for an individual, if somebody's going through a really tough time in their life, perhaps they might, pick a couple of tasks off the board that are a little bit lighter that day Um, and then the next day they're after something gritty and obviously there'll be lots of metrics that will um, balance that out to make sure that uh, I'm not picking all the low level (laughs) tasks continually (laughs) uh, etc but that's the way that I see where um, individuals get to use different tasks and likewise an individual can start to say oh I'm noticing all of these these different tasks starting to appear because it's obviously a skill set that the company's really wanting. So then if I'm wanting to upskill to be able to do some of those tasks, then I've got opportunities to do that so that I'm I'm also growing in a and, and making sure that I'm future fit for the organisation. Okay. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's yeah. really interesting in terms of skills for, for individuals, the mm. uh, autonomy and control people might yes. have, the business results that come through. it's yeah. a very, very positive picture around it. <laughs> So you know what I'm going to ask you next which is clearly around but well, you know what's the dangers for individuals or businesses possibly being left behind in that or feeling excluded how, how, how do we how do we work through those sort of things
1: Yeah I think that a couple of watch outs one would be just making sure that the human connection piece so yes a lots lots will become digitalized and automated it's around how do we step up that human element and really uh, go the extra mile for making sure we factor in those elements. So that's really on my mind because we we know human connection is kind of our number one need. Um, and I would also say as for an individual, it's that how do I make sure I'm, can I keep future-proofing myself? Because I think gone are the days where you'll just be able to glide on that one skill that you did from university. <laughs> um, and uh, technology is very much going to be able to fill the need for those kind of... Um, uh, technical subject matter experts on, you know, your your accounting, your lawyers, uh, even doctors. You know, some of those some of those elements, technology is going to be able to whip some of those skills. Um, whereas the human element, the application, the problem solving, the critical analysis, um, the creativity, that's where humans are really going to thrive. So I'd be thinking about how do I never rest on my <laughs> laurels that's how you say it and continually make sure that i'm future-proofing myself so that an organization will always want me there because i'm always future focused
0: right and i found it fascinating then that you you're actually referring to so many different sort of sort of professions and so many mm. different sort of jobs and so many different industries yeah. is, is everyone going to be affected by this
1: I think, it, I mean, if we look at the change already with technology, it's affected everybody. So yes, it's obviously going to have some kind of impact, but for some more so than others. So if I pick on the doctor one that I mentioned before, <clears throat> so it's not to say we're not going to need doctors, but I think it'll change the relationship of w- of how doctors might work. So at the moment, technology is not really helping um, doctors so much in, a say, a consultation. So if I go and see a doctor... They are typing away on the computer as I'm talking and they're kind of taking notes of whatever I say. And, and it's, not, it's more of a barrier at the moment. It's not actually helping them, right? Whereas I see a future where they don't take those notes. They stay completely focused on you. Artificial intelligence does the uh, downloading of the voice conversation and transcribes it straight away into the database for me. Not only that, but it reviews my previous visits. It might also have family history in there and it can also view globally millions of, diff- you know, of different records around um, other sort of similar symptoms. So while the doctor's talking to me with a much more personable approach than maybe some traditional doctors have had, mm-hmm. um, the doctor notices that I'm shaking, the doctor notices that I'm sweating, the doctor notices some maybe some of more of those things that they might not have if they're distracted, you know, kind of over here. So while they're doing that, they kind of have an idea of, oh, it could be this, could be this, but there's no way that doctor could ever know all of the information that that computer has access to being able to to scan and in the time that it can scan right I mean most of us already google before we go to the doctors in the first place right so it's just kind of that on steroids and so at the end of the consultation the doctor looks over and he's got he or she's got maybe two or three ideas of what it could be and the system may have another three and the system might say and also ask these things so as they ask those it kind of goes okay and eliminates the options down but what the doctor hadn't taken into account is they hadn't taken account that visit that you had two visits ago where you also mentioned xyz symptom and so the systems picked that up and said actually that linked with that is often you know connected with this or it's picked up the family history or it's picked up a few random cases that have started to hit in europe and actually this person just got back from europe you know so All of that kind of stuff, that's where I see technology adding the value of being able to absolutely provide that up-to-date and credible information to the doctor. But the doctor has that human connection, um, and between the two, it enhances your experience and maybe a better diagnosis and quicker diagnosis.
0: Yes, and that's, I think that's a fantastic example because it really um, you, you've you brought into the, the technology side all the different ways that, that that might work. And it's a very human experience that, that we can all relate to. Yeah. Um, in my mind, I was I was trying to kind of relate that to um, the sort of a challenge or the sort of way it might get used uh, in a manufacturing or industrial environment or retail sort of environment environment. Um,
1: Yeah, Yeah. so um, say in manufacturing uh, you may have uh, a couple of different uh, processes that you're thinking about doing and you can use technology to run simulations to say okay well what if we did this what impact would this make if we did this what impact that would this make and it will crunch that way faster than you can in your sophisticated excel spreadsheet that you've designed um, with your macros or whatever um, yeah and it will um, and all potentially scan globally and say well what other companies similar to us similar in size similar um, product what are the things that they're doing so yeah it'll just bring that information to you a lot quicker so if you remember the days of the encyclopedia britannicas that you had to flick through and then the internet was like whoa there's all this information here we're kind of going to that on a bigger scale so it's just going to bring the information kind of to you and on the retail side i think it can massively disrupt as well because you know Uh, maybe I'm going to go and buy a pair of jeans I can probably use an app on my phone where I'll be able to scan my actual body size and it will tell me this in this particular style of this particular jeans this is probably the size that you'll need and um, this is how it looks on you before I even get to the shop. So rather than getting disappointed (laughs) getting to the shop and it doesn't quite look the same way it did in the brochures um, I'll be able to get a much more realistic so you know I think 10 years ago there was applications where you could try different hairstyles or colors and and there's you know big um, cosmetic companies where you can do whole kind of makeup profiles now using augmented reality so some of those technologies are really going to disrupt the um, retail experience for people.
0: Fantastic. So, lots and lots of application. It sounds mm. like getting to things that are more personalized experience yes. quicker rather than just this massive information to wade through. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think the personalization element's really interesting. So, both from, uh, you know, we talked before about um, 3D printing and kind of uh, development trends in that. There will be, I think, more personalization for an individual around, so just beyond a, I want this T-shirt with this on, but to start to really um, personalise that on, in scale and to be able to go to retail elements to get my personalised version of that rather than kind of the stock standard. Um, and also I think that personalization that we get as a consumer is also shifting into the workplace. So like I talked about, that personalization of my work process, that's really indicating that trend of, you know, If I can personalise this stuff in my personal life I I almost expect the technology or the options to be in my workplace as well and so that's quite a big leap for organisations.
0: Fantastic. So we, we've ranged quite far and wide in this this conversation. I think almost I want to put it in a capsule and look at it again in <laughs> five, ten years' time and see see what's there. So I, I've got to ask you, sort of, at the end to sort of, you know, sort of, sort of put your money on. You know, what's <laughs> what's what's the most important thing for a business to do at the moment with regards to this whole future of work?
1: I think it would just be to educate yourself. So um, if you just look at some of the disruptive technologies. And understand what they are, what's coming, um, and have a think about how they may disrupt your business now or in the future. Um, Just that at a base level, I think you would uh, put yourself in good stead. And then you'll find for yourself, okay, wow, this one looks like it really could have implications. And then you can make some deep dives or hire some people with those skills or or whatever it may be. But I think initially it's it's education um, and making sure you're really aware of what's coming.
0: Thanks, Melissa. That, that's re- really interesting. And I mean, I think that kind of brings us almost full circle back, back to where we started. One of the first things you said was about sort of learning curiosity and I'm kind of he- hearing that again there. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I'd like to thank you very much for coming in and, and sharing what, what you had uh, today. Um, certainly things that I'm going to go away and look look at some more and, uh, you know, I look forward to, to finding out about them and talking to you more about it. And, um, in, you know, in terms of this podcast series, um, you know, we're, we're exploring more aspects of uh, the dynamic workplace, things that are changing and, and the future of work in, in future episodes. Uh, but thank you again, Melissa, for Thanks today. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you all for joining us.